What's up, everybody? Uh, we're here back with another episode, episode 39. That that episode count keeps climbing. And one day we're going to look back, there's going to be 100 of these, and we're going to have a big celebration. So anyway, yeah. uh, episode 39 today, we've got kind of a, uh, let's see, a temporary stream set up today. My computer, my laptop, uh, the battery blew up on me or something like that, so I had to take it into Apple. And so we're streaming. We won't have our um, screen share or um, the intro. So I don't know if this counts as Ooh. like an official title if we're not going to have the intro to be able to play. I don't know, Joe. I think not. Let's there. let's just you know we should throw away the episode after no intro, no show. It just gets deleted immediately after the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what's up, Joe? How you doing? Really good, really really good. Some some good news. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe we'll jump to that right away. I'm too sure. excited. I have to tell everybody. Sure. FinSuite is speaking at No Code Conference. Woo woo! Very cool. Yeah. So. We'll... I do have my sound effects though. <laughs> That's the most important. That's right. So yeah, we're we're speaking. I will be doing a speech about the beginning years of FinSuite. And that's what I've been working on most of my day for the past week or so, the past few days. Nice. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited to give this speech at the conference. Yeah. Last minute intro, uh, last but not least. So we're going to come into No Code Conf and share the story of FinSuite a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, it was cool to get that message from them saying that they, uh, they decided to, to bring us in. And uh, Joe's going to share a little insight. Um, some of y'all who watch the show may um, kind of have had a preview to some of the content. Um, but Joe will do a kind of a unique presentation of the first three years of FinSuite, kind of getting up off the ground and building a powerhouse Webflow agency from the ground up. So if that's something you're interested in, um, yeah, that will be an exciting chat. And we'll be doing some stuff like that here. Let's get into these announcements, actually. Um, we're going to be doing some live watch parties and some hangouts and stuff. And so if you're speaking at No Code Conf, if you're part of our community, if you're going to be doing something, you know, let us know so that we can include that in our kind of schedule of plans. And so we're going to obviously be in Hop In, which is the platform that Webflow is doing the No Code Conference in. But we're also going to have our gather space open during specific times through the event. And so we'll be doing like watch parties. Uh, we'll have a bunch of people in there watching Joe's stream. We'll have we'll have people from the FinSuite team, whatever. And so, again, if you're talking or if you're speaking at the conference and you want a little bit of support on that, we'd love to help cross support some of those things with what we're doing. So um, feel free to reach out and share that in the comments. Um, Joe, any of the other announcements you want to take or should we just run through these from top to bottom here? Let's run through top to bottom. Okay. Um, all right. So we've got some announcements for events tomorrow. Uh, Pixel Geek, Nelson, and Matthew Munger are doing a Webflow help desk. Um, and so I think they're kind of like our live support uh, thing that they do uh, where, where they kind of just help people solve problems. Um, let's see. Maybe we get somebody sharing those links because I can't grab them. Right I'll share. Chairman. Okay. Uh, yeah, speed I'm building sure. challenge. Uh, Nelson is also running a speed building challenge for the no code comp. Maybe you've seen this coming up, uh, but there's some cool prizes. Speed building challenges are always a blast. Uh, deadline for those submissions. If you want to apply to be included in that is uh, the 28th. So I think that's just a few days from now. Yeah, it's two days from now that you need to get those in. Uh, let's see, Brandon Tancott, who's the Pretoria South Africa chapter Webflow meetups on the 29th. 
is having a meetup about, uh, let's see, 11 reasons why Webflow is about to explode. So kind of nice. outlining some of what's happening in the community here. Shout out to Brandon Tancott uh, for that. Uh, open mic and live support. So we will have, this is the 1st of November in our um, gather space. We will have an open mic, kind of a show and tell, and then live support. And so if you haven't been to one of our open mics before, this is an opportunity for you to come and share and show um, what you're working on in the community and um, you know maybe get some insight from other folks who might be able to help you either take it to the next level or maybe you need help with something. People will be there to help and support and kind of do, um, you know, whatever it is. It's a very hands-on uh, event. So. Um, in addition to that, we're doing a no-code conference pre-party and community networking event on the 15th. So the Monday before all of the no-code conference stuff uh, festivities kick off, we're going to be doing an event that uh, will be a lot of fun. We'll do some networking. Sometimes showing up to a big event like that without having relationships with other folks can be a little intimidating. And so the idea for this is to help do some networking and some uh, just connect you with other folks who will be at the conference so that you'll feel more comfortable hanging out with folks, jumping into the comments, interacting with whoever may be uh, at the event. And so if you're looking to kind of get a warm intro to the no code comp stuff, um, we will be doing that. And then last again, but not least, a new client first template. So template number seven was released today. If you go to finsuite.com forward slash client first and click on resources, you'll see um, there's a bunch of templates there. And so template number seven is now available. Um, and we can probably share that link in the comments as well. So um, very good explode, Brandon Tankot's here. We do have the ability to bring the comments in today. So uh, let's see, does anyone know if no code comp is being recorded for registered attendees? I do believe they will record the conference. It's gonna be all live streamed. Um, even when it was in person, they had all those things kind of lined up and, and ready for folks to see afterwards. So yeah, I imagine all that stuff will be um, there and set up nicely for people to check out after the event. So uh, like we usually do, last of the announcements, Babis, uh, we'll say what's up to people in the crowd. Babis, what's up? Brandon Tancott is in the house. Uh, Colleen Brady, Jay Poucher, John Philippe, Keegan Leary is here, Lizzie Curtis, Magdalena, what's up? Maria Carava, Mariella Perifit. I don't know how to spell your last name. Prifiti, Prifti. I'm sorry. Uh, Penny, we're gonna have. She's gonna have to scold me and give me a proper <laughs> pronunciation there. This is what I do for like uh, trying to add the last names instead of just saying the first names. <laughs> Penny's here. Tanette's here. Zach Bujazia, what's up, everybody? Uh, feel free to. We have a little poll in there. Um, let's see. I work solo. I work with a team. Asking, do you work for yourself or with a team? So we can get an uh, outline or a, a, just an idea of who we're chatting to here throughout the show. But uh, other than that, Joe, why don't you jump into this disclaimer real quick and let's get into it. Disclaimer, the title of this show is, should you work for yourself or join a team? So the disclaimer for this one is, be careful comparing yourself to others, that this is a very personal about you type topic. Should you work for yourself or join a team? It's not, should people in general work for a team or work by themselves. So be very, very careful throughout this entire thing to relate these topics to you. We're gonna be talking about the pros and cons of both sides. And also be aware that we don't all have the same goals. Some of you may never ever want to work for yourself and you are, <clears throat> you're really interested in joining a team. 
that's okay. Some of you may be the reverse. We have different goals. We have a different life. And that's the beauty of making your own decisions. So don't base yourself on others. Make sure you are following your own path. Yeah. Did I miss anything, Ramar? No, I think, I mean, we say that all the time. It's hard do. to do. And then we'll say things like, you kind of have to know where you are, which kind of means benchmarking yourself, which kind of means at some level comparing yourself to others. Mm -hmm. What the, the where the peril lies here is comparing your growth or progress to somebody else thinking that like all things are even right. And so you just kind of need to think and this is where we're going to start. Like we'll just jump into the first um, topic here, finding direction as we make this transition that the, the, the key thing here is having an honest assessment of where you are and where you'd like to go next, right? And so what we're gonna talk about a little bit is, should you work for yourself? Should you join a team? What are the pros and cons of kind of each of those? And how does that line up with your actual goals? If you remember, uh, I think it was last episode, we talked about injecting yourself between uh, that emotional connection when you start building your brand to like that logical call to action and putting yourself kind of in the middle of that path. This is how you shape your goals, right? That's how you, you, you that's how you kind of understand the path you want to take. But if you're going to like make this move, you kind of need to know, do, am I trying to build this thing on my own? Do I have the resources to build this thing on my own? Do I have the time to do this? Do I have the knowledge, right? And so there's a lot of questions you have to ask for your, ask yourself kind of at this phase. And this is where it can get a little complex for folks. You know, if you're just starting in your career, you're probably not going to start a huge agency and, you know, like within six months, have 30 people working for you. It just doesn't work like that. And so you, you, you kind of need, and, and there's a cool progression here, actually. Edgar Allen, as a reply to a, a tweet we had, came back and said in 2000, started working for anyone who would hire me, which is kind of common in the world of web design. When you're getting into it, you're just like going to take whatever work. 2005, you started working at Razorfish, uh, different agencies. In 2013, started working for his team to build Edgar Allen. And so that's a 13 year span. And then it's even more because from 2013 to now is another almost decade. And so, you know, it just shows there's the timeline of progression uh, and, and the comments were working first for myself taught me perspective, working at other places taught scale and working for our team is always something new. So Joe, as people are kind of thinking about direction, as you hear me talk about Edgar Allen's experience there is replying that tweet. Um, what do you think as people who are looking for direction and trying to figure out where they want to go? Like what are kind of your benchmarks or, or where should they be looking for as they're making this decision or thinking about this? Well, I think you have to make the decision and then change it if needed. When you when you make when you're thinking about should I work for myself or should I work for others, when you're thinking about what your direction is, there's a very high likelihood that that's going to change. Mm. It happens. It's business, it's life, things change. So, you could think for a whole year about what you want to do, but the reality is the next year, that may be completely different. So instead of taking a whole year to think about what you want to do, just go do it, see if it works, see what you like, see what you don't like, and move on to the next opportunity. Just like we were talking about with the Edgar Allen tweet, working, you know, each work place taught something new. Yeah. So... And this this goes really nice to a comment Grace Walker just made. Yep. There isn't one right path. There are many ways to to a fulfilling career, and that's exactly correct. So 
I guess the the message here is be ready to change the direction. Yeah. Choose it, do it, change it. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's the key. That's actually the next bullet. Um, you know, finding direction. Where do you want to go? So that's a question you need to ask. You need to know now to know where you're going. More importantly, you need to understand where you are now, right? So that's kind of what we just talked about. But then the second step is that nothing, no decision you make has to be permanent in this realm, you know? Yeah. So Jay actually just right here said, I got tired of making other people money for my work. That's, you know, that can be a cause for change. And again, this could be something like I've gone through cycles where I've had jobs, you know, with, and this is outside of web design, you know, like had jobs for working for other folks. Then I kind of got into this. So I'm going to do my own thing, build my own tech thing, whatever, and kind of exploded from there and started kind of hustling on my own. And then I, I started partnering with other folks. And then I gave that up again to come work at FinSuite as an agency. And so none of these things have to be a permanent decision. You may want to take some time to learn some freelance skills, or you may want to go work at an agency to learn a little bit about how an agency runs, right? There's certain things that you're not going to learn working by yourself that you will work to learn working with an agency. Um, and the caveat there is that when you're looking for these types of jobs, you shouldn't go in telling them, Hey, I'm just here to learn from you for two years while I go start my agency. <laughs> we had, um, we had a commenter a couple episodes ago who said something like that about how, you yeah. know, they just, were going to, tell the company that they just want to learn for a couple years and then take that information and start their own thing. That's not the right approach either. So um, you can go work for people. You can go work to learn experiences. I think that's the best move, honestly. And not just that, but then it gives you a little buffer while you build your skills, while you build your freelance income, while you maybe take a few projects. And so we'll dive into some of that. Um, and it depends on whether you're just getting started. Right. It may be hard to know everything you need to know when you're just getting started. And so that's where it makes sense to go work with or for somebody else. Uh, whereas maybe you're making a shift in the industry. Maybe you've been in another part of this field. Maybe you've been working inside of the SaaS space. Maybe you've been working for another company and now you want to kind of go out and, and start your own thing. Well, you may have skills in that instance that somebody starting from scratch doesn't, which could give you a, a heads up or a, a leg up in that approach. Um, so anything, uh, there, Joe, that I jumped in that, that sparked anything with you? Yeah, I love how you said you, you may not know. When you're first getting started, you, you may not know the direction, and that's totally okay. That's re actually really common, especially in a new industry. I like this thing. It's cool. I think I'm good at it, but what do I want to do? I don't know. I think in this case, it's great to Try things out like we were talking about before. Just jump in, see if you like it, and then change if you need. So, yeah, this is uh, all agree here. Great, great topic. Yeah, and I wrote a little an asterisk here just to go back to that disclaimer <clears throat> that not all teams are created equal and that not all entrepreneurs start from the same place. So, again, mm. if you're coming from... Yeah let's say you're coming from a Webflow, for instance, and you've had a couple years of Webflow and you're like, I want to go work. And you see this every once in a while, somebody shares a tweet and they're like, hey, I'm going to go out on my own or I'm going to take this other opportunity. Well, you may have a leg up in the Webflow space or maybe you already have lines on a client versus again, starting from scratch. So you may be in the same position where technically you're both going out at the same time, but 
one person, person A may have resources that person B does not have access to. And also the different teams, right? If you're thinking about joining a team, you may wanna join a team with 20, 30 employees and they look super polished and perfect and blah, blah, whatever. And then you get in and you realize that it's not what it what it claimed to be. Mm-hmm. And so there's, yeah. there's so much variance here that it's, you know, it kind of comes down to making sure that you're vetting the opportunity and that it fits in with your goals. And that's why it's so important to have those goals outlined at the beginning, because if you don't have a benchmark, if you don't have a masthead to look towards to kind of shape, you know, your trajectory, you, you know, um, you could end up following anything uh, inadvertently there, you know, you could end up making the wrong decision. So uh, Johnny Gomez is asking a really good question. Joe, did you imagine scaling your team like this when you first started? Great question, Johnny. I, I did. I did. In the amount of people, not in what everybody's doing. So let me explain this a little bit. I have always imagined FinSuite scaling to the point where maybe we have 100 active developing projects. So a lot of people could even be a few hundred people working on these projects. But I am I'm now starting to see FinSuite break into different fields, different parts of the business. For example, Rymar. You know, in the beginning, I didn't think that somebody like Rymar would be needed in our organization or some of our product developers in our organization. But now I am seeing that. So I always imagine FinSuite scaling up, but the way that we're scaling, the type of people we're bringing in was absolutely not expected. Yeah. Yeah, and he's got a follow-up here, Johnny. Uh, there's only a handful of teams I join. Webflow is one of them. It's either that or freelancing for me. I honestly can't think of scaling and building a team. Exhausted nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's yeah. right. That's a personal that's decision, right? That's a personal goal. I kind of had the same idea. I, again, was running a video studio, was doing a lot of freelancing work. I wasn't really looking for a job, you know, when I joined the FinSuite team about a year ago. Um, I... I, I I did, however, get a chance to interview at Webflow and I was like, okay, Webflow seems like a place I would like to go work. It's one of those things where like resume, credentials, you know, the what they're on the precipice of doing, like it'd be super cool to go work for them. And again, I wasn't thinking about making the switch into joining another team other than that. Uh, but again, once I started talking with Joe and to be on kind of the forefront of that same movement, uh, but kind of outside of the corporate established machine, and being kind of like some pioneers in the space also appealed to me. And so again, it wasn't something I was looking for, but it was something I stumbled into through the process of kind of, uh, you know, learning and exploring. And so it's one of those things where going back to the point that it doesn't have to always be permanent. You know, I thought I was set up, I was in Sarasota, I was doing this local media thing. I was super involved in local politics, local community, lots of different things that I couldn't see myself walking away from, but yet here I am a year later. And so, um, yeah, there's, there's, um, there's lots of paths here, you know, and again, not all of them are the same. So, uh, Ezekiel, has got a good point. Starting your own business is great, but the responsibility factor is real. I'll be honest, this has been mm-hmm. harder than I thought it would be, but I wouldn't want it any other way. And I think this is, this is where we can go into the working for yourself versus joining a team pros and cons here. Um, let's start with working for yourself and, and Ezekiel, we'll get to that because I agree starting the business. And, and working for yourself means you got to handle everything. You know, you, like when you're at an agency or when you have a team, like you've got some support. But when you're working for yourself, like you got to be everything. You got to be the, the the bill collector. You got to be the salesperson. You got to be 
HR, you got to be customer support, you know, you have to be everything. And that does get exhausting. Um, Joe, any thoughts on working for yourself? Let's go through these pros and cons. Yeah, pros, working for yourself, full freedom. That's a good one. Uh, And I'll say full freedom as a pro for working for yourself is optional. You know, we see a lot of people that are running their company and they are leading a team of people, but they don't have the full freedom because maybe they haven't set up their schedule correctly, or maybe they're overworking or they're getting exhausted. So full freedom, asterisk. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Another pro working for yourself, fast decisions. Absolutely. If you're working for yourself, you get the final say. Financial flexibility. If the business is successful, absolutely, you get that financial flexibility when you are your own boss. And control of your time, that's same with the full freedom. Maybe you have control of your time. Maybe you don't have control of your time. Yeah. Yeah. And this goes back to kind of those goals, right? Lots of people might want to start a lifestyle business where they know, hey, I just Mm -hmm. need to make X number of dollars per year. I have a ton more bandwidth, but I'd rather spend my time traveling or I'd rather spend my time building a family or Mm -hmm. I'd rather spend my time doing something else. Whereas another person might go into this and they're super hungry. They don't care about traveling or they don't have a family. You know, they don't have whatever. They don't have any other obligations or responsibilities. Maybe they don't have a mortgage. They don't have any of these other bills that kind of lock you in to having a specific financial requirement. And so they have a little bit more flexibility. Right. And so, again, this comes back to what are your personal goals and what are you looking for? Some of these things may be pros on our list, but maybe that's not a pro on your list. Right. Maybe it could be a con. Um, So going into the con, you know, again, we talked about you have to be everything. You have to wear lots of hats. You kind of have to be a generalist, you know, um, and you always have to be on demand. Right. There's no one to pass the buck to. Right. Um, When I was in sales, I had this um, phrase that I always liked. And it was like uh, when somebody's looking for a raise in a sales organization, um, we were always taught to answer. I just talked to the boss. They said your raise is effective just as soon as you are. And so this is exactly it when it comes to like working for yourself. You want to raise, you want to make more money, go get a new client. But that also means you have to deliver the work. That means you have to find where to outsource or where to do it yourself. Or you have to find the time to to build and do whatever. And so like there are caps to what you can do. And, and then it means scaling a team or growing the team. And so that presents all sorts of new hurdles, right? And so um, that can be exhausting, just like um, Ezekiel was saying there. Um, and also, you know, when you work for yourself, now you don't have the resources, right? You don't have support versus joining a team. And so you don't have people to lean on. And this is where it's important to have some kind of network, right? This is why community is important when when you go out on your own. Um, Grace is saying here, when you're getting started, one of the biggest things, team or solo, is just getting through a critical volume of work to learn. Making mistakes early on with the support of team is very helpful. Yeah, and that's where, again, the community comes into play. That's where your meetups come into play. That's where your localized network comes into play because maybe you're not working on the same team, but you can still get some of those resources. You can still get some of that help. You can still get some quality advice from other folks. And that's one of the things we love with this community is that everyone's always looking to give back or to help others, lift others up. That's something that um, I find to be a remarkable trend in this community. Joe, any thoughts on that? Yeah, the we're we're starting to see a lot of FinSuite that people are really helping each other. 
that if somebody has a question, they get it answered within a day or two. It could be some advanced feature, some something else, that kind of teamwork that, hey, I'm going to join a team and be with resources, I think is really powerful. It's powerful for learning. It's powerful for getting through your projects quickly. Uh, yeah, so I'm totally agree with that. Yeah. Um, and Corey's following up with Grace there, that last comment. That's exactly where I tend to struggle. I'll bang my head on a feature I'm building. Having teammates to turn to would be helpful. Again, this yeah. is where, you know, like joining these small communities, you know, because in Slack, we get messages all the time. I get messages on Twitter all the time. I get messages in random different places and then asking for a little something like this or asking like, hey, where can I go to plug in for X or where can I can I find someone who does Y? Do, do you know somebody who does 3D or, you know, and so again, having a place to find those resources, to find the stuff when you're working for yourself is super important because it takes a village, right? And if you're doing all this stuff by yourself, again, it can become exhausting and the way to kind of unburden yourself from some of that exhaustion is to interact with and commiserate with other folks who are doing the same thing. You can share war stories that'll bring your, it'll boost your mood up. You can kind of see how other people are overcoming some of the same hurdles. Um, and that might lead you to, again, going back to the beginning to change your mind, right? At some point you might change your mind or, or have a different thought of where you want to go. Patrick Norell is saying my own business is very important for me at this point. It's about the personal journey and how to evolve through that. But the Webflow community is so important for being able to do that. Exactly. You know, a lot of times these, this becomes like a, a quest for somebody who goes out on their own to start their own thing and they want this challenge. Um, but like, you know, Patrick's saying there, it's important to have some resources to fall back on. Um, Pablo follows up, the community is a great place to find the right direction, either for adv advice or to find the talent to start a team. Yeah. Um, Mirelle is following up. That's when the community has been really helpful to me. I think it can't be overstated the value of this community. Totally. There's a reason FinSuite made the investment to bring me onto the team and that we're making such an investment in community. There's a reason Webflow is doubling down on this. There's a reason why all these community folks are popping up all over the place. It's because the connections you make with other people who are on the same journey are invaluable. You know, it's just, you can't beat having that network. Um, and it's so easy to jump into this community if you have anything of value to offer. Um, I think we'll get a lot of people attesting to that. So, Joe, any thoughts there before we jump into um, the idea of joining a team here? Well, I see we have a list in front of us, the pros and cons of working for yourself and joining a team. And the pros for joining a team are pretty much the reverse of the cons of working for yourself. So... The joining of team, the pro here, you get the resources and support. You can, you can become a specialist if you want to be a specialist. You can focus on one specific thing instead of worrying about a whole bunch of different things. You can divide labor, asking people questions or saying, hey, fill in this CMS collection list for me. You have a larger network and you have clout from the agency. Interesting that, that this is a, a really similar list to the cons of working for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't even notice that while, <laughs> while I was yeah. looking at this, but it <laughs> is. And this is uh, Grace again saying, uh, as a reply to Corey here, this was advice I got early in my career. Working for a team allows you to make mistakes with support. Like mm -hmm. you, and, and following up saying, obviously you never plan to make a mistake, but it's part of the growth process. You, like, you will make mistakes. And when you're working for yourself, you make a mistake, that could be a big L. 
you know, like that could be, it could cost you a client, it could cost you a final payment, it could cost you yeah. whatever it is, it could cost you a lot of things. You may have to come out of pocket to reimburse somebody the money. Um, you know, if you take a project that's a little too ambitious and you can't deliver the goods, that could create all sorts of things, you know? And so again, versus an agency, you have some support behind that, you know? And so this comes down to what kind of risk am I open to taking, right? This goes back to your goals as to, are, am I gonna start on my own, right? Starting on your own without any experience or without any knowledge or without any industry insight or without any relationships is very, very difficult, right? It's not to say it can't be done. Lots of people do it, right? I crawled into this business from essentially zero. Came from insurance sales, I came from corporate sales, and um, wanted to get re in touch with my, with my creativity, and I just jumped, right? And it's a wild ride, right? Other, we've talked about that in other episodes. But I can imagine that being an incredibly difficult challenge for a lot of people. At the time, I didn't have a family, I didn't have any bills, my break even was like literally nothing. I didn't have anything. I did like I didn't even have a car payment, you know. And so um, I was able to take risks that maybe other people can't take. And making mistakes is is this comes with the territory. So um, this is a good question from Johnny Joe. I'm going to give this one to you. Thoughts on selling yourself as a freelancer? Um, example: Johnny Gomez for selling yourself as an agency, unknown amount of team member size, etc. Um, Joe, what are your thoughts there? Great question. I. <clears throat> I think you have to really ask yourself, do I plan on doing 100% of the work myself or do I plan on having other people contribute to the work? So if I'm branding myself Johnny Gomez, that means when I do work for somebody, Johnny Gomez is doing all of that work. I'm not outsourcing some part of it. I don't have a JavaScript developer I'm working with on the side. I'm Johnny Gomez, this is all me. Working with the team, I, or at least having a brand name behind it. You, you don't even have to have a team. It could be a one-person agency name. That, I think, demands more money. I like to think that we cost more money than me, even if there isn't a we, right? If you put some brand name in front of your name, people may think there's a few people on your team, and naturally, they are willing to pay more money than to an individual. We've also had a lot of clients say that they specifically want to work with an agency, not a freelancer, because the freelancer can disappear. The agency, if someone disappears in the agency, there's somebody else to take on that work, and the client knows that. Mm. But it's risky working with that freelancer because there's only one person there. And if something happens to that one person, see you later. So it's a personal thing, but me, I'm more inclined to say, I would prefer the agency branding. I yeah. think it creates a little bit more power. I always saw the value in that, even if it was gonna be purposefully a solo operation, which I was for a lot of the beginning times of my work, I still always used to talk about we, and my brand was never my personal name. It was always some entity name. And so even though it was me doing most of the work, doing the whatevers, I was always trying to project that I was a little bigger than I was. Um, and I remember some of my early networking actually got me hooked up in this co-working space. Uh, these two guys kind of, you know, were doing some cool tech stuff in town. I wrote a blog about what they were doing, fairly critical of it, um, which got me an, in, an 
a chance that they were like, come chat with us about this. And so we started talking. Next thing you know, they're like, yeah, you want to use some of this office space? Like we got some extra office space. And I was like, cool. Uh, and so that allowed me then too to have meetings there versus like at a Starbucks or at a wherever, you know, and it allowed me to, like I increased my prices immediately. I was like, okay, this seems like I got an operation now. And so I was able to kind of leverage that appearance of being bigger to help, even though I was just a freelancer. And so I don't mean to say this, that anybody should be like, um, disingenuous or that you should lie about how big you are. It's like when people would ask me and they'd say, well, who's we, I'd be like, well, me and my multiple personalities, you know, so I'd, I'd turn it into a joke. Um, until I did have other people. And then I say, Oh, I have a team of freelancers, or I have a, a few folks that I work with regularly. Um, and so I think positioning wise, the more you can do to build credibility in what you're selling or what you're saying. Um, and sometimes that's creating a brand around that. Sometimes that's creating your personal brand. And I know lots of people who are very successful around a personal brand. Um, however, yeah. I do feel that most of the people who do this well, even if they are the, 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 the personality of the brand, they still have some kind of sh brand that helps act as an umbrella that lets them bring other stuff into that. Um, so I, I tend to agree with with Joe a little bit there. And um, FinSuite, <clears throat> FinSuite, I always referred to as we, even when it was just me for the first year or year and a half. We, 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 always. Because I always had the intention of bringing more people on. Like this, I really wanted to say we and look behind me and have a whole team of people as we. So there was an intention to do that. I think if you don't have an intention to do that, if you're like, hey, I'm always going to be a solo person forever, maybe the we isn't as genuine. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it really depends on on your goals, on what you're looking to do, on is this a, actually a we or am I just doing this myself? Yeah. Um, Setu is asking here, how can I join your team? Um, we mm. get this request all the time. You got to reach out. You got to do something interesting. We are all about the work. You were not interested to know too much about you as an individual rather than seeing like what your work <laughs> is. Not to say we don't care yeah, about you as an true. individual, right? But it's that true. initial screening process, the way I, like I see Joe doing it all the time. I see other people in the team doing it all the time. Like we're always sharing internal resources. We're, did you see so-and-so did this? Did you see what, what this person built? Did you, oh my, you know, like, and so every time we see something interesting like that, then, you know, that leads to a discussion like, okay, well, do we have a gap in this space? Could we bring this person on the team? And so first you got to figure out how to get in front of either the community or us or whatever team you're looking to get to. And then you have to show them something that they think they need, right? make them think that they need what you have to get their to make their team better and so that's a little general how can you join the team um but that's it you got to stand out you got to find a way to get in front of the person who makes the decisions you know in this case it would be joe and um you know find a way to make an impact right whether that's a letter whether that's a portfolio link whether it's something you're working on um i don't know all sorts of all sorts of ways to kind of break that threshold but you got to find a way to break that threshold nice I like it described like that. That's a great answer. So yeah, if you go do that, we'll take a look. That's right. Um, okay, let's let's jump into some comments here real quick. Uh, Grace, biggest sure. factor that pushed me to freelance was creating a strong financial future for my family. Uh, no nice. cap on opportunity. Yeah, this is. There's two ways to make money in this world, right? You're either a salesperson with like a commission structure that's uncapped, or you start your own business. That's it. There's very few, 
There's very few other ways to create real wealth in this world. And that's specifically because there's no cap on your earning potential, right? If you take a job for somebody, you're going to be capped at whatever that annual salary is. And maybe there's bonuses, maybe whatever, there's some profit sharing, whatever, but you're never going to really hit that threshold unless you're again, uh, an owner, or if you're in some sales roles, right? Lots of sales roles, actually, like we used to talk about, like a good sales manager actually makes less than their top salespeople. Um, and usually like the better salespeople don't want to get into management because management brings a lot of other things uh, that don't have to do with sales, you know, into the process. So again, it's about knowing what you're good at. And so I agree with Grace here that if you, if you really want to set yourself up financially, now that doesn't mean you can't find a comfortable income or find the right opportunities working with the right team. You know, that doesn't mean that at all either. Um, but if you're looking to generate some significant wealth and really kind of break those financial barriers, it typically does involve taking the risk associated with moving out on your own. Um, I remember back in my insurance days, I had a uncapped earning structure and I would take a lot of flexibility in my time. And my, uh, the, the, the person who would handle like my, my, I don't, she wasn't like really an assistant customer support specialist or whatever would kind of bitch at me sometimes about like, you know, how come you disappear for an afternoon or something like that? Or how come you take a two hour lunch? I'm like, well, as soon as you're willing to give up your guaranteed pay, you can do whatever you want with your time, <laughs> you know? And so it, that, that goes back to the control. You know, if you're, if you're not in control of that time, somebody else is going to be in control of it for you. And if somebody's paying you, that usually means they're kind of in control of that. And so again, to have the full freedom, the full flexibility, a lot of times that doesn't come with a job or working for someone else. And so those are some of the, the um, pros and cons here. Uh, Joe, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I was going to say that you can also do both. Mm. That's uh, one of the next points in our, our talking notes. Can you do both work for somebody and work for yourself because like you said working for yourself has a risk you do have this really high potential for high earnings and for supporting your family but there's also a risk that that doesn't happen and it actually sets you back further than where you were originally mm. so it's okay to do both it's possible to say hey i'm going to work part-time for this agency, I'm going to get my minimum required earnings, and then I'm going to spend this time building my business, at least in the beginning, right? In the beginning, when you start to make that transition, when you don't make any money for the first six months of business, this is a, a nice opportunity to maybe do both. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, jobs are getting a little more aware of this, right? It's a talent market right mm -hmm. now, right? And the employers who get it are understanding how to create some flexibility uh, for their team, whether that's internally with the organization or to allow them the freedom to kind of do some of their stuff on their own time. This is, you hear stories all the time actually about like remote workers with two gigs, you know? And so they're taking yeah. and trying to do two jobs. Actually, I heard a story where one guy was managing like seven or eight uh, as a developer. And his goal was Whoa. that by the time somebody figured out he wasn't actually doing the work, it was six to eight months in that he had collected this huge salary for sometimes almost a year. And so by the time they realized he wasn't doing what he said he was doing, he was already off to the next one. And he had like six or eight, this was like a, a viral thing on Reddit. And this developer was just My telling goodness. about how he's working the system right now. And again, I don't advocate for this because I think that's a little like, that's a little, um, that's not the proper way to do it. Um, but you could have 
your freelance work while you're working at an agency and, you know, start building momentum on your own thing, start landing a client. I've even seen things where I had a friend who was a graphic designer working for this big sports academy. And when she decided to go freelancing, she had talked with the client, she had talked with the organization and they allowed her to keep that company as a client and start her own thing with them as a client, you know, which was in direct violation of her non-compete, but being open and having a good relationship with them, she was able to kind of like work it out where she went and now she had two things go well for her in that instance. She got to keep this client and work with them. So now she has a steady client to start off, but she's also got this good relationship with the place she left working and now they feed her work, right? Because they know she's uh, super talented, but she wants to do her own thing and they don't want to lose access to that talent. And so they're going to find a way to accommodate that. And for them, that meant, you know, outsourcing some of the work to her and also allowing her to keep that client. And so don't be limited to what you see as like the way deals are structured, right? If you're a performer, if you're a producer and you go in with a request that makes sense, you'd be surprised how many people will work to accommodate that request even at an organization where you know, they, they want to retain access to that. They want to like find a way to keep you, um, especially if they've got some time invested in that career development, et cetera. Um, so Joe, did, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I have a friend that did that exact same thing, left the company, freelanced, took a client, mutual, mutual relationship, gave them projects. Mm. So that's a great way to get started. Yeah, absolutely. So doing both, I think is, possible. Maggie with a great comment, she works on two teams as a freelance Webflow dev for financial security. It's been a game changer and still allows me to take on my own projects on the side. It's also really important to feel that you have financial security while you're working. Mm. Some people can feel that working for themselves. Some people can't, or maybe they're not at the level of their business where they can so having this on the side, a few different options, if one agency stops working with you for whatever reason, you still have the other relationship. So this is cool. I think a great strategy for, you know, for staying active and learning what you want to do. As long as you get the work done, it doesn't matter how many positions you take. You know, I, I heard a similar story to the seven. Seven's kind of ridiculous, but <laughs> this person had two jobs. I think it was like one with Apple and one with, Google, something like that. And he got through all of the work. Every single deliverable was complete. He said, I work 10 hours a day or something like that, does both jobs and gets double salary. So if you're actually completing the work, there's nothing wrong with that. So very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I agree. I think we're at a time where you can be super productive and the results only work environment is kind of exploding right now. So again, you can be in control. If you're the person with the talent, especially when it comes to the technical stuff, this is such like a new industry right now and everyone needs it, right? Everyone needs somebody who is reliable to build for the web, to build a little application, to build a little whatever widget for their thing that displays the X, you know? And so, um, there's huge demand for this industry right now, which is one of the reasons why I kind of like doing what we're doing and, and, and seeing the, the collaboration in the space, because it's not like everyone competing with each other. It's about how do, can we grow? And there's so many people trying to do the same thing, but don't sell yourself short in this space. 
you've got the skills, you've got the talent, you're the one doing the work. Like, don't be scared to figure out how to leverage that to your benefit, right? Whether that means hitting your goals of flexibility and time, whether that means, you know, flexibility in other aspects of your life, or whether that means working 10, 15 hours a day to just build something super special, you know, like it's different for everyone, but I think we're really at a point in the development of this web design slash visual software development space that we're in complete control of our trajectories here. Um, and whether you're working for yourself or working for a team, there's a ton of opportunity out there. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And I, I want to bring up a nice comment from Zach here. Uh, that working on a team can be a good route to focus on one specialty or mastering a single skill. Uh, working solo or leading a team requires more time management, business organization, financials. Yes. This is so important. You may have the idea of, I want to be my own boss. I want to make all the decisions. And I also want to only develop on Webflow. I am a Webflow designer developer and that's it. It doesn't happen like that. If you are running your own organization, you need the time management skills. You need the business skills. You need the organization skills, the financial skills, and all of that management takes time. It yeah. takes effort and it takes a lot of time away from building in Webflow. As opposed to being on a team, you could probably find a lot of teams that will let you develop in Webflow nonstop. You wake up, you develop, and you go to sleep. So you really need to understand what it means to go and work for yourself or join a team. Yeah. Yeah. And, and some people are just not built to do all the things, right? Mm -hmm. Especially the creative. That's okay. I'm going to call you out right now because I'm calling myself out. The creative, <laughs> not necessarily procrastinator, but kind of like, ooh, squirrel moment where it's like, you, you know, like there's a million different things calling your attention and you kind of want to focus on the pretty shiny, beautiful thing versus like, you know, the pile of paperwork that's stacking up or you're like, ah, shit, I got to get to that. And you put it off for two weeks or whatever. And it's like, eh. you know, like you got to be again, you got to be everything, right? If you're going to go out on your own, you, everything from the tax prep to the banking, to the legal, to the HR, to the compliance for this, the compliance for that, like, ah, uh, it's a lot of stuff. Right. And it could it could sound fun to want to go in and do that. Um, but coming from someone who was doing all that and then jumped into now having full resources and full creative output on the things that I like, I don't know that I'm in a hurry to go back to that. Right. I don't know that I'm in a hurry to. And that's not to say that at some level I, I'm not I don't still have this entrepreneurial thing and that I want to build or that at some point, you know, there may not be things that come out of this. But I don't like there's not a big hurry in my mind to go back to doing all those things. You know, I, I, it's it's been freeing creatively because I've never had a position where I was able to do that stuff. And so that was that's kind of a new thing for me is focusing all of my creative potential on one thing rather than having to worry about all the other stuff. Um, and so, again, goes back to the individual goals, where you're at in your career, what the team you're working for is and, and what your function is going to be as part of that. Um, and then finding balance between all of that. So um, let's see, there was another question I wanted to pop up here. 
Uh, out of interest, is this something you offensively support? I would have been interested in this last year, but I thought it would come across as rude. I'm not sure what you're saying there. Joel is asking. Yeah, I asked for more clarification. I think yeah. that was from a, a specific comment we had, but right. I don't know which comment. Right. All right, let's see what Kenneth's saying here. I finished study, tried finding a job in marketing, ended up being unemployed for two years. After that, I finally took the courage to start my own and somehow found enough work. That's great. Nice. Yeah, sometimes you got to go out and do it. And sometimes the pressure of of not ha like knowing that there's just no more money coming or that there's, you got to figure it out, sometimes that pressure will force you to do a thing. You know, um, when I was doing my own stuff we like i had a couple friends and they were kind of doing their own thing too and we would joke like okay i got i got six months or we'd land a new client and you'd be like okay we got three more months of ramp you know and so we'd kind of gauge uh the the trajectory of our business on like what our current ramp was at the time right how long could we go without landing more business and keep the thing alive um and so yeah and and anytime that got down like you you try not to get that into the 30 day or 90 day mark um but sometimes it happens Right, especially early on when you're just starting out, maybe you don't have that consistent income, you get a big project, you relax for a little bit thinking you're okay, and then the end of that project comes and you're like, oh shit, I need another client, <laughs> you know? And so that franticness, that sometimes having that um, hard deadline on your financial you know, uh, flexibility will kind of spur you and, and get you'll get creative figuring out how to um, yeah, land the new business. So those can, those can be interesting moments for growth. And we have a clarification from Joel. Uh, do you offer positions to people who have other ongoing projects, say a SaaS project? Sometimes it, it has happened, uh, but I am finding that our full-time FinSuite employees are the best ones. The people that are focusing 90 to 100% of their time working with FinSuite. It really helps the brand growth. It really helps the motivation of people. Rather than looking at FinSuite as a side project, mm. I would prefer other things being looked at as a side project. So it really depends on what you're doing. Uh, say your SaaS project, is it your main focus? Probably, and that makes FinSuite second. So it, it depends. It's person to person. Joel, if you want to reach out privately, I can explain more, give you some in-depth information about that. Yeah, and this is the transition that I've kind of seen Joe make over time here because when Joe first started kind of growing the team, it was a very one-to-one -one relationship where like a new project would come in and whoever worked on that would kind of get to work on that project and it was more project-based than it was full-time income. And over the last year, year and a half, I've kind of seen that shift to him wanting to have people more full-time focus on FinSuite stuff which goes to back to the priority of the, the context. And so this just goes back to the point that it doesn't have to be permanent. One situation may suit you to get off the ground and go, because again, adding fixed costs to your payroll, having full-time employees, if you're not in the position to support that, could cripple your operation financially, right? Mm -hmm. And so there may be a point where you have to make a transition from one to the other, or where you have to find a way to split that cost up, or you know, just, um, but yeah, I know that doesn't go specifically to the question here because he's asking about joining the team. But if you're looking to hire or grow or build the team, you know, those are things that that need to take place, too, especially when you're thinking about trying to do both. When you're thinking about trying to work for someone else and 
keep your own thing running because that's going to split your priorities um, in, a, in a number of different directions. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, we can jump into taking the leap of faith on this one, which brings up a good place for Felix here. Felix saying, I'm about to start my own business and thinking that I probably have to do subcontracting work first until I get enough leads for my own agency. Any thoughts on this? Uh, Joe, I'll mm. let you take a swing at that. Well, maybe. Uh, that's that's really hard for me to answer for you because I don't know your financial situation. I don't know your skill level. I don't know how good you are in sales. My initial thought is, yes, start with some subcontracting work. Make sure you like it. Make sure this is what you want to do and slowly start to build your business until you are ready to make that transition. That would be my my answer without knowing more information about you. Yeah. Yeah. And it depends on where your access is to viable leads. You know, if yeah, you've, if you've right. got a good client to jump out on and you can go full time on that as a single project, that maybe is enough to get you going, but also know that there's probably an expiration date on those funds, you know? So even if it's a 10 or $15,000 project, let's say in a best case scenario, that's three months at five grand a month, right? Worst case scenario, you got big bills and that's one to one and a half months. So this can just depend on where you are, what your position is, what your risk tolerance is. You know, if you're a college student coming out of school and you don't have a lot of bills yet, maybe you're still living with the folks or you share an apartment with somebody and you're, you know, your break even every month is 500 or a thousand bucks. Well, a $15,000 project may set you up for three or four or five months and allow you some flexibility. And so um, it, it really, there's so, so many variables here. Uh, to take into account. Um, I think the subcontracting thing may be something you want to do just to have. If you can find something that's a steady stream, right? There's a uh, Keegan is also saying here, I'm just starting out and hustling on Upwork right now. At the moment, my income is pretty low, but I'm treating it as a starting expenses and my actual expenses are very low. Okay. So, you know, Upwork is one of those places where I feel like the work kind of gets commoditized. I never had really much interest in like competing against Upworks or, or these spaces. Like it felt very difficult to, to, to stand out in those things. And it also felt like the people who were looking for the work were, were looking for more of a commodities type, uh, like a role player versus like looking to find real value that, you know, some of you may disagree. Maybe we can do a whole actually show on Upwork and some of these freelancing sites, but whatever you can do to get income coming in to create a base for yourself. You know, and you may still keep doing that on the side while you take the next step into growing the agency or taking the bigger projects or whatever. But that little bit of income can help you again, offset your expenses so that you have the freedom to go full time on this. Uh, when you make the leap of faith, we talked about uh, a couple episodes, gambling big on yourself and kind of going all in on yourself. Um, when you're doing something like this, you do want to figure out how can you give hundred percent of your attention to whatever the task at hand is. And so the more things you split your interest across, the more projects you have, uh, with without the ability to kind of share some of that workload or have resources to help figure the stuff out, the less of that creative attention you can give to each of those projects independently. And so, you know, just, again, it goes back to balancing. You know, do, maybe you need the income, so maybe you keep the Upwork thing happening, but how can you get to the place where now people are finding you outside of Upwork, right? The, the, the tickets on those items are probably gonna be a little higher than they will on the Upwork jobs. And so how do you use Upwork to kind of create a little bit of consistency 
and then start pulling in other projects or other opportunities outside of that ecosystem. The other thing I don't like about some of those platforms is that you're tied into them, right? So long-term, if you're working on Upwork and you do build a lot of credibility in that space, well, what does that mean in two years when you do want to step out and all your credibility is in Upwork? Or what happens when something messes up at Upwork and they shut you down and now you can't get work through that platform and you're back at zero? So um, I think we should maybe do an, a full episode on on those kind of freelance sites because I, I think that's a whole thing in and of itself uh, to talk about. Yeah, I I really do agree with everything you said there. It's a, it's a good platform, but a dangerous one to build everything on and it it really does come down to the leads taking that leap of faith maybe part of it is financial but another part of it should be how those leads are coming in to your business so we can bring up a question here from pablo cortez can you give an estimate on how much money an agency should spend in marketing looking for new clients and leads and in your opinion how effective is that well this is uh, an interesting question for FinSuite because we have a very different method for marketing than most. A lot of people will put out ads or uh, do some type of video or you know something a little bit more traditional in marketing. Our marketing was and this show and community efforts. It's a different type of marketing. Mm. I don't have a dollar amount for you. But I will tell you that you probably shouldn't base it on the amount of money you're spending. You should base it on the amount of time you are spending. Marketing in this industry, I believe, is all about time. It is not about money. So I could say, yeah, you need to spend 10000 per month. But if you're just putting 10000 per month in ads, in Google AdWords, I don't think that's going to be very effective. If you're spending 10000 of your time and maybe of your team's time building a course or a resource or throwing an event, these types of things are much more valuable. Yeah. So uh, it, that question is very difficult to answer. It's all about time. Yeah. And again, there's, there's nothing better I think you can do in this space than to start building your rep, start engaging with the community, start oh. finding a way and I don't just mean engage with the community. How do you get involved in the community in a meaningful way? How do you start a group? How do you lead uh, some kind of something, right? And this is why we get so adamant. If you've, if you've heard me talk any number of times about my path with WordPress meetups that evolved into Webflow meetups that evolved into getting involved with the Webflow community that involved with ending up here, that path is available for so many people. And I see people jump into this path all the time. You know, I see people step out into Twitter. I see people step into the Facebook group and become legends, you know, with a little bit of content, a little bit of stick to it um, and some yep. really high quality work to, to represent themselves. And so I think, um, yeah, I think just getting in, it can't be overstated, getting involved with this community, finding meaningful ways to interact and engage with this community and not just participate, right? This is the same thing. We are in a creator's economy. 
which means that at some level you have to stop consuming and you have to start creating in order to provide the value. You can watch every course, right? You can go get Rand Seagal's class. You can get Joseph Berry's course. You can go join Timothy Ricks. You could, you know, do whatever you want. Like you could spend all the money in the world joining all these courses and getting all this stuff and never actually become a productive, meaningful Webflow dev. Or you could just go start building right? You could start playing and experimenting and trying to recreate things and challenging yourself. And then at some point you may find out you need a course to learn a little something. You go get the GTAG course, go get a little something to help you take that thing to the next level. But at a certain point you have to start creating, you have to start creating value. You have to start creating like meaningful work for your portfolio. You have to start creating things that other people look at and think like, I need to be more like this person or I need this in my life or I need this person on my team, you know, and I think you'll find that if you just start doing some of that, you'll get the opportunities to join the teams, right? You'll get the chance to take the, the leap, of, leap of faith to either join a team or to find somebody to co-found something with you or, or get the uh, clout to think that you can just go do this on your own, you know? And so again, I think that at, at a certain level, it's not about taking in content and, and learning all this stuff. It's about going and doing in this space. Um, and I don't know that you have to spend a lot of money to do that stuff, right? So going back to Pablo's, Cortez, uh, Pablo's comment here, can you give an estimate on how much money should an agency spend? Maybe it's nothing. Again, maybe it's just yeah. your time. You have to find a way to turn that time into an asset that can like exponentially multiply your efforts at marketing. But I, I, I can promise you, you're never just going to start running a bunch of Facebook ads and get a bunch of clients. You know, it's just not yeah. the way to do this in this space. Totally. We're getting a lot of positive comments about Twitter. So if you are not using Twitter, look at these comments, see the people that are giving a big thumbs up to Twitter and go make an account. So it's a great place to talk to people, have real conversations uh, and you that's how you can create that network. That's how you can make it easier to make that leap of faith, to say, I'm ready to stop what I'm doing over here and focus 100% of my efforts on my business. Yeah. And it all starts at Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, Grace is the perfect example here. <clears throat> I just highlighted her comment, Twitter's amazing. I saw her, I think it was just a few months ago, come on to Twitter mm -hmm. and start engaging mm -hmm. with the no-code community. Um, and has just really taken off through there. I've seen a lot of engagement and interactions with her post. Um, she's one of the, the folks that I think, it, again, has found good ways to share value. She's got a good story. She's got a good skill set. Her work is, is also good. And so, um, yeah, I, I think that it just goes to show that this can be done. Um, and she, she's doing it. She's a case study, you know, reach out to grace and find out, Hey, what are your steps? You know, grace, it might be interesting, actually a piece of content, um, for you on how you've kind of broken in here to the space because this last uh, few months, I think you've really come onto the scene. It'd be interesting to get some feedback on that. Um, and Johnny Gomez is saying on Twitter for real, I'm seeing people looking for Webflow devs on a daily basis. Yeah. And I think, um, again, what you want to is you want when someone asks, Hey, who I'm, I'm, I'm looking to do a Webflow project. Who should I work with? You want other people putting your name in those slots. You know, you don't want to be the person replying like me, 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 you know, like, yeah, okay, that's cool. But much better if somebody else is saying so-and-so is the person for this job, right? 
no, this is the person you need to talk to. Um, that is going to carry a lot more weight for the person looking for that referral uh, than you know the, the the person themselves saying I'm the one. Um, yeah, we're starting to get a lot of businesses coming to us from referrals mm. of people that we don't know, never heard of this person, don't know this agency, <clears throat> but they sent this client to FinSuite because they know FinSuite is the expert in this technical type of implementation. So we're starting to have the community send us projects. And that's because we are very active in the community. So it, ha it can happen to you too, not at the scale that it's happening to us right now, but you don't need that when you first start. You need to make some friends on Twitter and have one person send you a project per month. And that can be enough to actually go and make that leap of faith. Yeah. I'm seeing a lot as I go back through the comments um, about Upwork. I think, yeah, mm. maybe it would be a good um, episode to do a full discussion on these freelance platforms and what our thoughts are on that. Um, I've, I've had 0% luck on Upwork. I've been testing out that platform for like 10 years now before I did website stuff. And every single time I am disappointed. I don't know why I've tried it so many times. So for people that are doing great work on Upwork, I've never found you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just get scared of that. Even like um, any of those platforms. I had a friend who mm -hmm. was an uh, online educator on Udemy. And I don't know the specifics, but there was one course. I don't even think it was the course he put out. I don't know if it was the way he was marketing it or whatever. He's making 10 grand plus a month on Udemy right? Legit courses. Okay. Whatever. Um, maybe some of it were a little spammy, but you know, you get that like sales, you know, gurus, whatever you spell on a $29 sales course. What are you going to get? Anyway, uh, one day he gets an email and it says, you know, like we've decided we've looking at like some of your practices for, you know, generating leads or whatever. And we've decided to deactivate your account. And so from 10 K a month to zero with no Ooh. ability to contest that wow. with no ability to, get access to that, to those leads, to do whatever, like it, and you just, you're putting your whole career in the hands of this platform, you know, and we're seeing this more and more where any little disagreement, any little political something, whatever landmine, whatever the cause is, you could easily lose access to that platform. And this becomes scarier and scarier when your income is tied to that. If it's Twitter. Okay. Well, maybe you can't distribute your ideas or maybe you go find a different place. Um, but when it's your work portfolio, I, I really hesitate to have all my eggs in one basket when it comes to some of those platforms. Totally, totally. So we'll do an episode on that. Yeah, that's, I think uh, we should do a, that's a, a good one. episode on yeah. platforms. Uh, and let's see, Zach, we built a large niche agency purely on referrals and attending industry conferences and becoming a face and a voice that our clients would see often. Yeah. We've talked about this a number of times where you build your credibility, especially in that niche episode. If you go back a couple episodes where we talked about building a niche, the niche mm -hmm. gives you an opportunity to really speak the language of the people who are looking for your work. And so, um, Zach does work, uh, incredible marketing. They do some work with, uh, lots of medical and plastic surgery centers and things like that. And so when somebody wants a website in that space, they come see that they've done a lot of work in that space. Well, it compounds the decision-making process that this is the person to hire. And so, uh, yeah, very uh, good approach there um, for sure. 
Kenneth Christensen, still only 50, 50% hit the like button. Come on, people. Yeah, come mm. on. We're not moving forward until we get some likes. <clears throat> <laughs> uh, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I watch YouTube videos and people are always like, smash the like button and subscribe. And I don't do either of them. And then I'm over here on mine. I'm like, smash the like button and subscribe. <laughs> so I try not to like actually say that a lot because uh, it, it does help the, the channel. Um, you know, reach more folks, but I, I know it's, it's, it's not always a, a thing people are going to do. So anyway, I appreciate y'all asking. We'll keep saying it though. That's right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Zach, if you're working in a niche, don't overlook the importance of the footer credit on all the sites you build. Yeah. If you mm. can talk a company into letting you put your name and maybe that's part of your contract, you know, whatever, getting that link, nice. it's a link back it's SEO, but it's also marketing right a lot of times yes. if i'm looking to rebuild a site i'm going to go scoop scope out my competitor sites i'm going to see what are the other people in my space doing that i can kind of steal some inspiration from and maybe i scroll to the bottom of the site and see so and so that built it and then i get to their website and i see that these are the folks to go to for this industry you know and so that can be yeah. a huge lead gen um for sure um and uh just a a little disclaimer on that one that is very industry specific. Mm. I am sure in the medical field and some of these more professional services, this is no problem for the company, right? Like, go ahead, put it on the footer. We just want your great work. Once you start to go into SaaS and tech and companies that are much closer to this, this industry that we're in, people do not want that. Uh, this is never, ever, ever something we would offer to our clients at FinSuite based on the nature of our clients. Yeah. So if you're, if people say no to this, don't freak out. But I agree with Zach, this is a great, great way to market. Yeah, yeah. if you can get it, it's great. Um, sometimes, like Joe said, <clears throat> it's just not available. Uh, Florencia mm -hmm. Simone. I'm just starting out as a freelancer, webflow designer, and I had more potential client leads on Twitter than Upwork. So do not underestimate social networks, nice. 100%. Um, Johnny followed up with Webflow Experts Program. Also a great place to get new leads and start conversations. 100%, it's a little tough to get into there. I uh, I know people are applying at like really high numbers and it takes them some time to kind of scrub through that and, and get that. But if you can get that Webflow Experts listing, that does go a long way. Um, and that's usually like a trust slash credibility thing. So if I'm considering you and I'm looking at your profile and then you can claim or you can show, hey, look, I'm a Webflow expert, that just goes another step up. Because if I'm considering other folks who are not that expert, you know, or who don't have that badge, uh, so that can go a long way really to helping you um, kind of separate yourself. Um, somebody else was saying, where did this go? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Maybe we need to do a show on just Twitter, a case study on Twitter and and social and getting out in front of folks. Even though we've done some stuff like that, if you look through the the uh, recent episodes. Let's see, Diego Diaz. I don't spend any money. I just do keyword research and stay replying to people who tweet looking for Webflow Dev. Sure. Nice. Yeah. Great. Uh, Kenneth, I'm an absolute noob on Twitter. Where do I go? Go to hashtag Webflow and hashtag no code and just start looking for trending conversations. So go to the keyword um, search and search for those things, search for people, search for trending, search for most recent, and just kind of start looking through there and you'll start finding folks who are shaping and, and participating in that conversation. The other thing is to do something that will help you stand out. So whether that's a cool little video of a project you built, um, if you can get 
engagement from somebody, you know, a lot of times Vlad will uh, connect with folks on Twitter and, you know, that's always a good in to make um, tweet. I, I've seen folks who do like a, a tweet where they like tag everyone they know on Twitter. I, I don't think that's the right way um, mm. where you do just do yeah. some posts with like t tag 20 people in it. And um, but asking a viable question, asking something interesting. There's a number of, of, of ways to kind of break into that Twitter space. And check out our page. Uh, it was shared in the comments here. That's FinSuite. When we post and people comment, it's a lot of the people that watch our show. It's a lot of people that interact with our content. So you can very naturally start having industry conversations with people by following some key players in the space and talking inside of their tweets. So yeah, you know, follow, follow some people in the industry that you respect and yeah. just start talking. Yeah. Yeah. And anytime, you know, if you like, we will, we'll retweet a lot of times if somebody's created an asset using one of our tools, or if somebody shares a site, you know, that, that references some, you know, some of the FinSuite library or something like that. You know, so again, finding interesting ways to get on other people's radar so that they're the ones promoting you. Um, yeah. You know, a retweet from us may go a lot longer uh, to getting you some visibility than your own individual tweet if you're just starting out on Twitter. Um, yep. And so we we look for the same thing, right? We try, we're trying to do the exact same thing, maybe at a little higher level than you, but there's other people that are doing it at a higher level than us, right? We don't claim to be the best at Twitter. We don't claim to be the best at a lot of things, right? We're a lot of times the insight and advice we share with you all is the stuff that we're experimenting with or the stuff that has worked for us. Um, so just a disclaimer on that. Uh, Vic Moreira. My agency is getting to a point that we need to hand off more work and focus on clients. How did you go about onboarding new people and teacher processes? Any lessons learned along the way? So many. That's why we're doing this show. Um, <laughs> that seems like it might be a whole episode in and of itself there. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> Maggie saying $7 websites on Upwork. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Share a couple of clonables and that's the latest ones, but with client first and it's helped me get some leads, not yet where I want to be, but I know I'll get there. Yeah. Nice. Steven, that's, you know, lots of different places to, and <clears throat> that's becoming an in-demand skill, right? We talked about before where people are adding a requirement of knowledge of client first to their, um, recruitment ads and different things. And so, yeah, when, when you can jump on a train, a trend ahead of the trend, right? Or ride the wave, like social is like a wave, right? And if you can get on that wave, it's like surfing. Not every surfer is gonna hit the wave at the right time, right? But that's what separates the good from the bad surfers is the ability to see the wave and get on it. Social media is kind of like that. And so you need to find things as they come up, as they're relevant um, and find ways to kind of get in front of that curve because that's gonna bring all the movement to you as opposed to you having to go chase things down. Another tip I can give you on Twitter is don't necessarily try to start all the conversations, right? Go and search for the no code, search for the Webflow stuff and find high performing, high engaging folks and try to add value to conversations that are already happening. Cause let's say I go and I make a post about something. Well, I don't have that many followers, so maybe only a few people see it. But if I go to something that's already going viral and all these people are clicking on this link and scrolling through to see what people are saying to that, 
Well, now I have an opportunity to get more visibility by sharing something insightful to a conversation that's already going viral, right? And so now I ride the momentum of this initial post in order to get my visibility up. And so um, those are kind of things you need to be thinking about on social to kind of take the next step. Stephen Johnson, I've been putting no code in all my tweets for the last month. Now people see me as a no code guy. It's easy to create yourself on Twitter. Yeah. Nice comment from Andrea. What would you recommend to include on a personal website if you aren't necessarily looking for work, but maybe side work, passive income? Mm. Uh, well, I would, I would really just say that. Uh, you could say, hey, I take projects when I want to. Send me an email. You know, you can have that. You can have that mentality of, I don't. I'm not accepting all projects, but if you really want to work with me, send me a message and I'll consider it. Of course, in a you know, your your type of message. But yeah, that's that's what I would say. You know, just be be transparent about what type of work you're looking to bring in. Yeah, Colleen, sliding into someone's Twitter DMs is also a powerful way of connecting with others. Um, nice. That's a great point. Yeah. You'd be surprised at how many people's DMs are open. And I know we think like, you know, we think, oh, the, the people on Twitter are viral and, you know, they're too busy to answer us. But that's not true. Most of the people on Twitter are just regular folks like us, you know, and, you know, you see the little notification in your messages channel. And, you know, I'll, I'll usually take a look, even if it's like from somebody who I don't follow. Uh, and if the conversation's relevant or if it's an interesting point, like I'll answer. And I think a lot of other folks do do as well. And so, yeah, Colleen, good yeah. point. Don't um, sleep on that. And I like this little in, interaction here. Maria, hi, Maria, uh, <laughs> saying hi to Florencia. Que tal, guapa? And Florencia says, intentando aprender de estos genios, uh, which is nice. trying to learn from these geniuses. I'm not sure that's uh, an accurate label, but we'll take the compliment. <laughs> we appreciate uh, you and, and everybody else who's hanging with us. Um, and I think that's it. I think we're at a good place. You see, did we miss anything in the comments here? I'm trying to look to see. No, just, yeah, we got we got yeah, through a lot here. Okay. It. Nice. With the like count up, you know, I think people were listening to this the the thumbs up comment because it really rose in the past ten minutes or so. Yeah, for sure. Nice for sure, and we appreciate that. We appreciate you all hanging out with us week after week. Um, we are looking for some, yeah, let's maybe take a minute with the folks who are still on here. Share in the comments what you might like to see us do in episode four. Uh, we've kind of run out of inspiration on the growth site. There's a couple up there that have been there for a while, but uh, Joe and I have not felt super confident about the WordPress to Webflow because that's going to be something that's going to take some time for us to think through. And maybe we bring a, a special guest in for that. And I can't remember what the other one is up there that has been there for a while, but we've kind of been ad-libbing these shows for a while. Um, it does look like the platform site, you know, so doing something about these third party platforms for job and, and growth, uh, could be interesting for folks. Uh, but I'd be interested to hear from you all. What would you like to see us talk about in the, an upcoming episode? And so let's hang out here for just another minute or two and let some folks, uh, chime in, in the comments. Um, just share wh whatever it is, whatever you think you'd like to learn about. It could be social. It could be about marketing. It could be uh, really about anything. Uh, we don't get into the technical weeds on these shows. So on Tuesdays, we don't actually get into like building and growing or I'm sorry, building and executing on like the technical side of things. Um, but anything that has to do with like uh, 
career development, sales, um, personal, professional growth, platforms, tools, anything kind of editorialized. Um, Pixel Geek, what's up? He's saying no code comp. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that at the beginning of the episode. Actually, Nelson, uh, we talked a bit about your speed building challenge and um, yeah, a couple things we're doing to help uh, promote no code comp. So for sure, we're super excited about that. We're a little sad that it's not in person, but we're gonna, you know, do our best online to create the same environment and, and interact with as many folks as possible through that event. So um, for sure. Uh, we have a comment from Himanshu. Is it better to represent as an individual or as an agency on Twitter? Himanshu, we talked about the agency versus individual earlier in the episode. And I think that same concept applies to Twitter. How are you looking to represent yourself? Is this a personal thing? Is it an agency thing? If you, you know, if you are growing an agency, I may recommend having the agency and the personal Twitter account, just like I have. We have FinSuite and then me as a person. I'm not behind the FinSuite account. You know, we got to the point where somebody else is managing that. So now I need my personal Twitter, but definitely go back in the episode, listen to our, our debate about individual versus agency. Yeah. Um, and I think, all right, we'll give folks just another minute here, but you can leave those comments for us in the video afterwards, uh, or go to growth.finsuite.com. Um, let's see how to build processes that scale onboarding, distribution work, tracking leads, etc. Yeah. Um, okay. That's a good, that's, that's good, uh, thought there. Um, okay. Well, we'll leave that up to you cool. all to get as engaged as you want with that or not. You can leave the thoughts in the comments. We do look at those, uh, when the video's over the live chat is obviously, um, live chat is, is a little different cause things kind of get buried in there. So after the video is done, if you're watching this in the future, um, you can leave a regular comment for us with show topics, or you can go over to growth.finsuite.com and share your thoughts there about what you'd like to see us talk about. Uh, Joe, any final comments before we get out of here? No, uh, think, think about it. Should you work for yourself or, or join a team? I want everybody to think about this during the week, the next week, the next month. This is an ongoing process, you know, just make sure you're making the right decision for you.